Today's episode is the fourth installment of 30, Flirty and Thriving. We're joined by someone very close to the pod, Brooke Casson. Brooke had an incredible career as a dancer in the Australian ballet before pivoting into real estate. More recently, she has since turned her focus to some new chapters in her career and life as a mum. I am so grateful to call Brooke family and for giving us the gift of the third member of our girl gang, Violet. Brooke shares her experiences as a ballerina, from leaving home at 14 to join the Australian Ballet School to performing on some of the biggest international stages. We chat through the highs and lows, the driving forces behind her decision to retire and pursue a new career journey in commercial real estate and finding her new love in being a mum. This is such a special interview for me, having the opportunity to learn new things about someone I know so intimately. Thank you so much, Brooke, for sharing your story with us. Hot gal energy. Culturally explosive. I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> that is basically it. Brooke Casson, welcome to the pod. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Newly Brooke Casson. Very, very fresh. Very, very new. exciting. Absolutely. Mm. I'm very excited to be here, ladies. We're very excited to finally have you on. I feel I feel quite cool. Yeah, same Very here. cool. <laughs> Calm, cool, collected. If um, we've somehow got any listeners that live under a rock and are wondering who, <laughs> who we've got on today, we're joined by um, Brooke, who is Em's officially, now Em's stepmom. Oh, we so had cool. lots of requests for this, actually. Yes, it was our, oh, most, wow. requ- yeah, we our most requested guest. Are you joking me? Yeah, no. no. Stop it. People yeah. love you. Stop. Literally yeah. like one <laughs> of daggy my... mum. <laughs> one of my old managers at work messaged me the other, the other day and she was like, is it weird if I add Brooke on Instagram? I just really like her. I was like, I do too. She's quite nice. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Oh. Yeah, I think as well we've had a few of your fans from your Instagram that have become fans of the pod as well. So I, I feel like that. it's well, good crossover. That's like my entire fan. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> my loyal followers. <laughs> middle-aged women that love the ballet. Like all their bios <laughs> are ballet lover. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder where that came from. <laughs> Don't need analytics to work out this lead capture. I have a very loyal following. Yeah. They, they love the fam. They've extended out to me. I'm not complaining. Yeah, no, take it. I love them. I chat to them all the time. They're the only people that care about me. (laughs) (laughs) I always post like my minor inconveniences and they're like, oh, I hope you're okay. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, shout out to Anne. She's a very loyal fan. Yeah, Anne's my favorite. I don't know if Anne came from yours, but. um, I don't know. Have we looked at, have we seen Anne? I can't remember. Well, we knew Donna came from you, but we had to end up blocking Donna. Donna. (laughs) We've had to to block a few, haven't we? (laughs) Donna, just actually let's block her from the basically Instagram so she never uses this because she got a bit creepy with me. Yeah, she was was like, Emily, why aren't you replying to me? At least there's only a few that we've had some stalker issues with. Well, I feel like I gave her a lot. Like I'd always respond to her. So I feel like she thought we were like, like actual friends. And then eventually I had to block her anyway. We love tough, Anne. Tough life. Tough <laughs> life being, you know, having Instagram fans. Um, kind of wish they were young men, not old ladies. But <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? you got to take what you can. Yeah. There's yeah. no boys sliding into my DMs. <laughs> anyway, Brooke, before we start, as you know, we always like to ask our guests like their it of the week. But in this case, we want to ask you what your it is of your life because I... Oh. It's, it's probably a hard one to boil down to one thing. Um, I feel like I probably know what the answer is going to be. But we like to start off with this little segment, so we thought we'd ask you. It's a really tricky one, um, but you'll know what it is. It's pretty mm. simple, actually. It, um, well, it has to be meeting your dad, because that's how I therefore met all of you and had beautiful Violet. Aww. And... Without Rob, none of that would have happened. Aww. So I guess that's my... That's lovely. Yeah. That's, I'm glad that Rob got the call up because I was really <laughs> expecting you to just say Violet. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. I kind of forgot about <laughs> Rob for a second. <laughs> I was like, Rob, who cares? Yeah. Violet. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought it was going to be Violet too, but I like the natural progression there. It was, no, yeah, because, you know, 
without him, none of it would have happened. That but, is true. And that now I, I can't even imagine life without Violet. Mm. Mm. We love our little Me dog. You know? You yeah. understand, right? She's just sunshine to all of us. She is. And she's being extra cute at the moment. It's a good age. It's, yeah. it's, it's intense, right. but it's great. She's working on her vocabulary, so maybe we'll have her on for season three. Once she's <laughs> chatting a bit more confidently, we can... It just reminded me at the wedding, Ellie comes up to me and she's like, the worst thing just happened. And I was like, what? And she was like, I think I've catfished Violet because she doesn't remember me. She oh. asked me, I went to say hi to her at the reception. She looked at me and she's like, what's your name? <laughs> oh, and, no. and then I told her who it, who it was and she kind of like processed it for a second. And then she got picked up and dragged somewhere. But on the way... She- She's like, Ellie. Ellie. Oh, Ellie, she's a big fan of yours. I was like, Ellie, Ellie, Ellie. I think the slicked back hair and like full face of makeup really got her. (laughs) Very overwhelmed as well. I was like, really like, there's a lot going on. Such a big day. Big day for the little Such a big day. But no, she was a rock star. Well, Violet just wakes up on like a normal Sunday and it's like, she thinks it's just a Sunday (laughs) and turns out like she's getting dragged to a hotel. There's this lady doing her makeup and then she has to walk down an aisle and there's all these people staring at her. And she's probably now like, she's ever since just every day on? saying, "Can we do the wedding again?" Yeah, oh, can we do the wedding again? <laughs> yeah, she goes, "Mimi, did you see me at the wedding?" Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah, start telling like, her. Ask Emily if we can do the wedding again. Yeah. <laughs> You're next, doll. You're next. Give me ten years, please, guys. <laughs> Take your time. Violet will be like probably twenty by the time I get married. She'll be a cute flower girl. Yeah, by then mm. she'll probably be a bride. Or ten years yeah. will make her thirteen. Oh no, she could yeah. be a flower girl. She can be whatever you want her to be. There are no rules. Yeah, she could yeah. be my, like, entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> my jester. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Well, I love that it. Anyway, should we kick off into yeah. our questions for the day? Um, so we like to start with, you know, setting the scene of our guests, how you grew up. So tell us, what was, what was Brooke like growing up? What was your childhood like? I was born in country Victoria, Ballarat. I had I had a great childhood. I had a really quintessential Aussie, really great childhood. But I guess, you know, it's interesting, the ballet journey for me started very young. So a lot of my childhood was around ballet, but I was lucky with two brothers. I was also at the football and I was mm-hmm. also, you know, on weekend sometimes we'd have a big bonfire living in the country and you'd have friends over and so I had a really well-rounded childhood I would say but a real really Australian upbringing. (laughs) What were you like in like primary school high school before you left? Primary school was really tough for me I was bullied quite badly yeah and you know it's interesting because you never forget it but it's made me I think it's given me the strength I have today. I was bullied for, you know, I had this slicked back hair. I was off to ballet all the time. I was a bit of a, you know, <laughs> bit of a, good, a bit of a dag. <laughs> but, um, and kids can be horrible. Kids are so mean. Horrible, yeah. horrible. And it's my biggest fear about Violet. Um, I think that'll be really hard if I see someone being, yeah. you know, what we're all like. We're so protective if someone's yeah. mean to her. Bullying's a tough one, you know, but... It's amazing. You you build your character. You find other friends. I then became close with sort of the quieter group and then went to high school and suddenly it was the weirdest thing. It was this absolute flip. It was so cool that I did ballet and mm. it was so much and I was so supported and it was the right environment for me. Yeah. And I loved, loved high school. The best years before moving to Melbourne at 14. Yeah, it's funny that yeah. you say that because when I was in primary school and high school, the dancers were really cool. Mm. Like the mm. complete opposite of your experience. Like if anything, like it was like a badge of honor to be like, I'm a dancer. Yeah. And that's, it was, it was uh, the strangest thing. Cause I went from this absolute, and I never once, mum and dad have always said to me, I never once said, I don't want to do ballet anymore. Cause I'm getting mm. picked on mm. for it. That was never an option. It was mm. just, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm, I mean, I can't even really recall the things, but you know, just picked on like young kids do right Mm. to then go to high school and exactly that it was so cool that's amazing you do that and oh Mm. my gosh you go to the Australian Ballet School twice a week and Mm. yeah it was really celebrated which Mm. I think made me blossom at that time in my life yeah so tell us a little bit about the Australian Ballet School so from my understanding of obviously knowing you (laughs) (laughs) this is like the pre-school version and then you get like selected right so I always say if 
I ask if you've seen Centre Stage. Of, and of, yeah. of, of course. Like, of course. How much do we all love Centre Cooper Stage? was like my sexual awakening. <laughs> <laughs> we all love I love Centre Stage. Um, Dead. I remember still fangirling when I was, you know, much older in my 20s in New, in New York mm-hmm. meeting the people in Centre Stage and oh. still thinking, holy crap, Jodie Sawyer. Yeah, I met Jodie Sawyer. <laughs> and it was just, I reckon, I, I think I went and saw that film 10 times at the cinema. I just thought wow. it was amazing. But yeah, so it's basically, you go to, um, so I moved from country Victoria to Melbourne mm-hmm. to study full time. You just do ballet half a day and academic studies half a day. And suddenly it's like you're with your people. It's basically mm-hmm. the best of, you know, all the different states put into one place. The Australian Ballet School would be up there, I would say, in maybe one of the top five ballet schools in the yeah, world. Wow. It's a really highly regarded ballet school. We did um, Vaganova Method, so we're trained in a Russian method, um, beautiful method of dancing. And then I did five years full-time, and then it's just like centre stage in your final year where wow. they give out two or three contracts to get into the company if you don't get a job with the Australian... Now, you've got to remember, this is all pre-social media. So yeah. Yeah. we are thinking to ourselves, oh, my gosh, going to Europe, like that's such a big deal if I don't get yeah. a contract with the Australian Ballet. We felt so geographically removed, whereas I look at dancers today and they're so connected with yeah. the world. It's not a big deal. It's, you know, there's so many options, there's so many mm-hmm. avenues. But back then it was like, I get that job or I'm what? stuck. What am I going to do? Yeah. And what age are you when you leave home to start the school process? So I left home at 14. Jeez. Wow. I know. I, I actually look at 14-year-olds today and I think, how did I do that? <laughs> Even 18-year-olds. <laughs> like, woof. <laughs> yeah. Um, Child. There's something about ballet, and I'm sure it's in many industries. Mm. You're sort of forced to grow up mm. really quickly. You know, you have a trajectory. You have a very clear line. Nothing was getting in the way of this dream and what I wanted. And... I didn't necessarily love where I was staying. I didn't necessarily love some of it, but I would have never said that out loud because mm. I was like, this is my shot. This is my mm-hmm. one chance to really live this dream. And, you know, it's a bumpy, hard slog, but I was lucky to get a contract with the Australian Ballet at the end. Wow. wow. Like the, um, who got the contracts? Did, did Jodie Sawyer get a contract? No, she said, no, she I'll, said, she said you, I'm off. She said, no, Cooper, I will join your yeah. ballet company, but as a boyfriend, you kind of suck. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that was like Dead. literally like the first time I'd heard someone in a movie like speak up to their like toxic man. And I was like, yeah, Jodie. You go, Jodie. You go, Jodie. I didn't even really understand it back then, but I like set a fire in me. Yeah, Jodie. Oh. Dead. So obviously the whole process with like, you know, ballet and forging your like career in that industry starts at such a young age compared to a lot of other industries. When did you know, like when was your first moment as a child where you were like, this is it, this is what I want to do? I think I always say between that kind of eight to 12 Mm. is like prime time for a young like 12 especially 12 is the age mm-hmm. where it's like you can tell they're either on that path mm-hmm. or they're not and I remember having a few friends in Melbourne and one friend in particular Ivy who I said to her I want to get better I want to st-. and she gave me I thought she was so cool and she gave me all these she's stretches to still do cool. she's so cool I think she's probably the coolest friend I have did you see her at the wedding <laughs> yeah she's one of those special lifelong friends so she gave me these great tips of like exercise and things to do and I started to get really hungry for knowledge I wanted Mm -hmm. to learn from more it wasn't a matter of outgrowing like where I was it was just this hunger for more I Mm -hmm. wanted to I wanted different coaches I wanted more information anyway when she started it was a summer holidays and I went through this big growth spurt and the body started to really look in prime condition for this Mm -hmm. kind of path and I started working my butt off I was never an absolute natural I had all the heart, all the passion. I had a great physique for it. Mm-hmm. Not perfect at all mm-hmm. at the time, but a good, like I had the right bone structure mm-hmm. and things like that that they'll look past because it's, you know, amazing when you're auditioning for things like this, the mm-hmm. kind of stuff they're looking at. And then I just started working my absolute butt off and I was like, this is what I want to do. And people mm-hmm. would be like, oh, you know, do you really think that that's sort of what you're going to do? I'm sure my parents were thinking, oh God, what have we gotten ourselves into? But yeah, there was kind of no turning back. Definitely 12, I was like, this is it. I'm on this path. Let's go. Wow. And going off script a bit here, but um, just like 
something you said then about like your body was like almost perfect but like there were things did you how did you like as a eight to 18 year old in that in that space like how did you deal with people like critiquing things that completely out of your control like bone structure for example oh absolutely I um I've got some great stories on that even in my career I'd have someone come back and be like Brooke your forehead is so big just fix it for the next show <laughs> like how do you fix <laughs> your forehead like seriously you know um you know you do like shading and that you know people would be told like your nose looks funny weird things but the body image thing you know it's it's an intense one. You are critiquing your physique all every day. Mm. Yeah. My mum managed it really well when I was young. She was, I think, petrified that I'd move to Melbourne and possibly mm-hmm. go down the eating disorder path. Mm. Back then, even more so than now, they were running rampant. And I had a really um, influential coach say to me once, always remember, Brooke, you don't want your best body now. I had girls who were much thinner than me. I wasn't, I, I was a little bit, I wasn't chubby at all. I was small, but I was a little bit, I had a little bit more meat flesh than some of the girls. And some of these girls possibly did have eating mm. disorders and it wasn't always the healthiest environment to be around. Mm. But someone said to me, remember this, your career is like, say, 19 onwards. That's mm-hmm. when you want to look amazing. Don't do things now that will potentially have really bad repercussions when you're older, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I kind of always knew that and I knew, like, I had long legs, I had a long neck, I had the right things that I needed and weirdly, as it happened, I genetically post puberty really came into my own with a really mm. a good physique for the industry. Yeah, and was lucky that it was in my career. I probably mm. did, you know, look my best. Not necessarily when I was fourteen. Like, I mean, yeah. who's looking their best at fourteen? It's the oh, hardest years of your wasn't. life. You know, oh, it's such a hard time. It but it's such scary to think that like kids could like legit stunt their growth pre-career Absolutely. just because they were told one too many times, like you're too big. Or no, whatever. that's right. I'd be told three days before an exam, Brooke, you need to be thinner for the exam. What can yeah, you do in three what days? Do you want me to do? That's you like know? a crime. <laughs> no, it is. And, and it's interesting. I, I'm not in touch with it enough to know what it's all like, the system right now, mm. but I know it's come a long way sure. from what it was like then. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not okay, obviously. Yeah, wow. That's really full on. On a more positive note about life in the ballet, what would you say was your favourite moment as a ballerina or some of your, like, highlights? It's, um, I say it's like choosing your favourite child. Mm. It's such a hard one. But, you know, touring over the world with your best friends you know you become a family yeah. you know, this touring you've got to think of it like the Australian cricket team it's like 80 of you mm. traveling around the world rooming together you know uh, seeing the world I think performing on the international stage representing your country mm-hmm. is the most fulfilling thing and a few times I had family come over and visit and see the shows yeah. and so I've always struggled with what success means and mm. what you know things like I got to grant a few wishes for Make-A-Wish Foundation mm-hmm. and the joy that brought families of a child that wow. was really unwell at the time from cancer and it was this sort of release um, and relief from their hospital mm. stay and visits and all that. Things like, you know, then one day you might be on a shoot with Vogue and, you know, working with the most incredible creatives. You know, I had Dior dress me for some events. I had... I did a campaign with Napoleon Perders and got to stay in his amazing apartment in New York. And I had incredible opportunities come to me in the ballet. Mm. And when I look back on it, the thread with it all was just always putting myself out there Mm. and just being, not being afraid to go up and speak to people, not being afraid to, my dad said to me very early in my career, you know, you never know where a connection might lead. And, you know, Mm. there's obviously a huge life after dance, you know, like stay in touch with people and make sure you speak to people. And it was such great advice because mm-hmm. dancers can be quite insular and quiet. And I was lucky that because I could speak, I got a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. outside of ballet, mm-hmm. which just enhanced my career and my time with the company. Yeah. yeah. So I was lucky Amazing. with that. It, it'd be too hard to choose an on stage moment, but you know, I got to dance some amazing roles and I had the time of my life. Yeah, I was going to ask, what's your favourite ballet? Good question. I love 
the classics. Like for me, Swan Lake, Sleeping Beauty, Nutcracker are just quintessential ballerina moments. Nothing – a tutu is like, as a ballerina, this like it's like an armour. Mm. You, know, you step into a tutu and you become someone, something. It's incredible. Mm. But then I had some amazing opportunities with Graham Murphy, who is an Australian choreographer and gave me some great opportunities. I had – you know, it's beautiful when people from overseas come out mm. and might use you for something mm. that your normal director might not. Um, but yeah, I loved, I was definitely more of a classical, mm. traditional artist, but I loved some of the contemporary pieces I got to do. But putting on a tutu, nothing mm-hmm. compares to it. Oh my God, I remember putting on a tutu in just like dance class and I was like, yeah. this is the best feeling in the world. <laughs> no, and it's true, you know, when I watch uh, young children and I've done some things with Tutu de Monde mm. and... It blows my mind what happens to a child when they step into a tutu, like at a really young age, and I see it in Violet. (laughs) They put it on, but it's this innate thing. They twirl and they look at themselves in the mirror and something comes over them. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. And I really, I can't believe I did that for a career into my 30s, twirling around like a little fairy. (laughs) Yeah, it's so cute. I love when Violet gets into a little tutu. She loves it. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely your influence, not Rob's, but yeah. <laughs> since it's like... Violet I don't know, is... everyone's saying after the wedding that he's the dancer. Oh, he likes to like wiggle his bum on the DF, but it's not very aesthetic to the crowd. He's quite proud, he's quite proud of himself. <laughs> but like, I feel like ever since Violet was little, she's just like loves like classical music. Like, she do you remember does. when she was really little yes. and you'd play classical music? Yeah. And I, obviously this she... is a podcast, so I can't do it for the crowd. I'll do it on the story, so I'll find a video of Violet doing it. She used to just like start like doing these little like butterflies, oh, literally oh, as like goodness. a baby. And like, it's calming. I listened to a lot of classical music when I was pregnant. Mm. I've always loved classical music. I'm so thankful I had a career. I listen to it every day. I still listen to it a lot. But it's true what they say, I think. Because yeah. I listened to it a lot when I was pregnant, mm. she literally, didn't she, from a baby, yeah. just loved. And it was this calming effect on her. Does that mean that mum listened to WAP a lot? <laughs> <laughs> What's Tula been up to? Tula had some money. Like, I was literally thinking about that for the last 10 minutes that you've been talking. I'm like, was mum listening to just Tula. like I need to talk to Tula. I need to talk to Tula about what she was up to when you were in her belly. Feminist rap. Maybe not feminist rap. Maybe it was like... She loves her classical music. Mum would didn't, go, you didn't, oh, you didn't absorb disgusting. It. I think I just rejected it. Oh, oh my God. Um, okay, back to the conversation we were having before about mm. ballet. What would you say were some of your most challenging moments as a ballerina? Whew. You have a few. Mm. You have quite a few. I think, you know, for you guys are in so many jobs, right? You put your work forward mm-hmm. and that's it. You know, you mm. shut the computer, you mm-hmm. shut the mm-hmm. fold or whatever, blah, blah. It's yourself. So, you know, you're critiqued all the time. And I didn't have it easy all the time and it's actually I I sent this message to Emily the other night I got this beautiful message after our wedding from my ballet mistress very early on in my career beautiful glamorous beautiful woman and she said in it something so beautiful which was because you know how you kind of block things out you kind of Mm. forget that the journey wasn't always easy and she said to me you know it wasn't always easy and it was tough but you're such a stayer you were always a stayer you were always Mm. there and I think I was raised to that you know you do your work and you show up and you do the best you possibly can. But yeah, look, I would be, I'd be grilled after some shows. You know, I, I would say to people, a curtain can drop and from the walk from the stage to your dressing room, say two minutes, you can be on the biggest high of your life and you get into that change room and a coach can come in and rip that show to shreds. Oh and you're like, wow, like suddenly you're so deflated to then take your makeup off, get changed, go out to stage door mm. and there's all these fans there, like mm. warnings that sound so no, but it's wanky. No, 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 no. It sounds so wanky, but wanting you to sign their book, yeah. sign their point shoes, tell you how amazing you are. So it's a real emotional roller coaster. Mm. And un- for me, I had severe adrenal fatigue at the end of my career. Like I was yeah, like the, the ups and downs. Yeah. And especially as you get older and with your hormones and everything, mm. you know, it's like, whew. <laughs> but um, that was hard. And like, you get better at handling that the older you get mm. and trusting in mm. you as an artist and holding on to yourself. And it's a per- it's all personal opinion. And mm. I know that the coaches, I can say now, just want to get the best out of you. Yeah. But it wasn't always handled the best. You know, things like you'd be getting close to an opening night and then – you might get taken out of something or, mm. you know, oh, yeah. um, 
I'm trying to think of, you know, some real rippers, but I think I've blocked them out. But, you know, there <laughs> yeah. was there was some intense, mm. you know, conversations, yearly reviews, you know, and you'd be thinking you're doing really well. Or even more so, you'd be doing really well. They're telling you doing you really well, but you still wouldn't perhaps be mm. um, promoted. Mm. You know, it's I, I talk about this a lot with them about, mm. you know, it's just the same with you, Ellie, this, this, this hierarchy mm. and promotions and this and that and feeling like you're treading water and not getting anywhere. Yeah. Um, and people would see you as like sort of these like godly figures because when you like from like a layman's perspective when you watch a ballet like you're not going to see the flaws so people mm-hmm. would be sitting there being like they're like these like beautiful gods but you're still humans and you like take your makeup off at the end and your feet are like red and broken and totally. then you've got this like russian man screaming at you <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> i can imagine that would be very mentally taxing to do that every day Totally. And also and rehearse. That's well. right. And then you back it up the next morning, you're in class training, and then you're rehearsing another ballet. Yeah. So, you know, I had two knee surgeries in my career. So coming back from surgery is huge. You know, mm. you literally, you go under the knife thinking, will I come out and dance mm. again? And then you start from scratch. You literally limp into that bar to completely start again. And it's very undoing. You know, it's, mm. it's very, you can go from dancing so well to being like, mm. oh my god, I actually have to start again. It would be so frustrating. So frustrating. Mm. So frustrating. Yeah, I'm interested to hear what like the perceptions are of injuries because I know like if you're at work and you've got like COVID or you're sick, like people are, like take the week, like get better. Like especially in this like generation, it's very like you're sick, like it's not your fault, like you get better and somebody else will do the PowerPoint for you that week. Like it's fine. When you've got an injury at dance, because you've got such a short Exactly. Career span and also because, like, you've got people, like, nipping at your tails to get ahead. Is there, like, a perception that you're weak or that you're not good enough because you got injured or are people, like, chill about it? You're absolutely hit the nail on the head. Short career span. So this feeling of you're running out of time. um, I would say, and it would be different for every individual, I would say surgery is kind of good because in some ways it's like when it's a niggle, like when you've got mm. a sore back, you've got a sore, she'll sore that. People can't really see it and they're like, oh, you know, like, oh, she's been off for a while and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or for you, you're thinking, I've got to get back out there. Like mm. what if other people get my opportunities? Or, you mm. know, there is this feeling of, you know, missing out. Mm. But with surgery, it's you're out, you know, you're, you're out, mm. you've got a couple of months of, you know. But I was quite – I really pushed myself to get back for big roles for international tours and probably one tour especially I got back just a tiny bit too soon I wasn't quite there and that was a really tough tour for me Mm. because people are expecting you to come back and deliver Mm. but you lose a lot of your confidence you know Mm. when you've come back from a big injury but Mm. also they're also a bit of a rebirth because you kind of you take the time to really like work Mm. on your technique and come back hopefully come back a better dancer but we're lucky the Australian Ballet have an incredible medical team yeah so you've got the resources to get better. One of the best in the world. Really? Oh, yeah, I guess Australia, that makes sense. Which is incredible, yeah. isn't it? You know yeah. I mean? It's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. World-renowned. Um, off script here, but I feel like it's probably good to give context. When did you and, like, how did you decide that your career had run its course with the ballet? I... I just had a coffee with someone today that's just decided to retire and she's mm. like, I just wanted to pick your brain because you did it so yeah. well. And it was such an interest. I was like, oh, that's so nice. I People were so shocked when I announced mm. my retirement. I was in the prime of my career. Mm. I made a promise with myself when I started that I saw people finishing um, a bit bitter and twisted and mm. and angry like a bit of anger mm. you know a bit of that tortured artist kind of thing and I was like god I never want to be like that you love a tortured artist yeah. on this podcast <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and you know I I'm an incredibly happy positive spirit mm. so you know I was like and, I, and I'm a big trust the universe type person I got a couple of really great opportunities I probably had one of the best years of my career and I had this feeling come over me where I was on stage and I took a curtain call I was doing Clara in the Nutcracker it was a role that really suited me it was a role that I felt I found it very natural and I really had the time of my life doing it and I remember taking my curtain call and I just thought to myself what am I like searching for you know at at the Mm -hmm. time the staff weren't showing me a great trajectory I 
was having amazing opportunities outside of ballet as well as mm. inside. And at the time, that wasn't a big deal. For It's different now. I love seeing all these dancers mm. doing lots of great stuff and building their social media platform. But I was kind of... It was a bit, I was sort of growing this following and getting all these opportunities outside and I think it was looked upon as a bit like, oh, that's sort of a bit strange. But it gave me some really great opportunities. So I started mm. to think, you know, there is other stuff out there. And then I actually was in a rehearsal one day and I was 30 and a coach was like, good girl. And <laughs> I was literally like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? <laughs> no joke. I literally was like... And it's, this is with no disrespect for her. It's actually yeah. a language in ballet that I yeah. really hope is getting broken down because yeah. it is a little girl's yeah. world. And these are women yeah. that yeah. have left home at 14, yeah. are traveling the world mm. and, you know, Growing they're up. having sex, they're drinking alcohol, mm. they, they're portraying amazing roles on stage mm. and they're getting told, good girl or not good, whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, I think I want to like, I think mm. I've got other aspirations. I think mm. I want to check out the grown-ups world. You know, just mm. it was, it was, and it was a process. And I'd had an opportunity come up in property in Sydney, and I just quietly, without telling anyone, got my real estate license. I'd do mm. some study at night, and I just started putting my feelers out there. And then once I really made the call, um, probably a year out of like, you know, mm. what's this going to look like? It was a real process of mm-hmm. thinking about it. And then the other one, which I was talking about with a friend today, was. I, you know, we're all friends here, let's just be honest, had had some issues with, I hadn't had a period for quite a long time. Yeah. And I had like probably two years, you know, and I was, I'd never had an eating disorder, but I was incredibly thin mm-hmm. as a dancer. Purely, I run on absolute, you know, adrenaline. You were, you look like a different person. I was yeah. like a technical. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd had a doctor say, you know, this is, you know, we're talking about 30 years mm-hmm. old, you know, you need to start thinking about this if you do want to have a family mm. one day. Now, I, I wasn't dating anyone at the time. Well, I probably had someone around, but no one's serious. <laughs> you know what I mean, ladies? And it actually really hit me. I mm. I remember calling my mum and I said, what if, and I think I probably burst into tears, and I said, what if one day I look back on my life and I blame ballet for the fact that I can't have a child? Mm. You know, not that it's ballet's fault, but it's just the, the strain yeah. my body had been under. So anyway, that sort of created a bit of thinking too and played a part in when I was like, you know, I, I need to get healthy. Like I need mm. to get a bit more sunlight. I need to put a bit of weight on. You know, I want to I wanna look after myself. It's mm. also a really selfish profession and mm. I felt like I wanted to give more to the world than just – art does give so much to the world and it's so important and imperative, especially through what we've been through the last few years. But I just felt like I could do more in my yeah. life than – obsess over myself and what I look like like Mm. every decision you make Mm. the shoes you wear what you eat if you drink too much alcohol it all plays a part in Mm. you thinking about your career yeah well you're like the product right exactly yeah exactly what were the perceptions like as you said like getting some new opportunities with like Instagram and influencing and um like brand partnerships and stuff were there considering like the art world is very like we're not doing it for money like it is about like giving you know the like experience were there like weird perceptions about the shift in social media and like dancers starting to sort of spread their wings outside of that super controlled world and like take making like side hustles into their own hands and like you know that sort of thing it's interesting at the time like contractually the Australian Ballet own us Mm, and yeah literally and you know, I was lucky. I really stretched the envelope, but I mm-hmm. never broke like any rule. But I really did stretch the envelope. And I also had I had amazing mentors in my life that were like, you know, you've got to like take these opportunities. You've yeah. got to run with them. And the thing is, and what upset me about it at the time was once you leave, like you need to be setting up these relationships. Mm. It's something I'm mm. so passionate about for dancers today. And I love seeing this shift in them really going for it because you've got to forge those relationships. Mm. No one, and it's that Australian tall poppy syndrome stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you see sporting people, dance, ballet dancers are at the top of their field. Mm-hmm. They're this untapped market. They are, you know, inc- they, they're so diverse. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they, they can be great on a photo shoot. They can be, they can act. They can, mm-hmm. you know, like, there's so much that they can do. Um, and the Australian ballet label is an incredibly prestigious mm-hmm. Label to say, you know, mm. you're with the Australian Ballet. 
Yeah. Well, it lends itself to, like, beauty. Absolutely. It lends itself to, as you said, acting, because you are acting Mm -hmm. on stage. And I feel like, especially in this day and age, it would be interesting to see the life of, like, young dancers, because in this day and age, whether you're in, like, a corporate job or whatever you do, like, people very confidently talk about their side hustles. Like, even in my job, that's kind of seen by our bosses as, like, a really cool thing. So it'd be interesting to see now if these, like, as we said, like old coaches that are still maybe in the old world are lending themselves to their new dancers. Yeah. And I think I think they are. And I especially yeah. over COVID saw this amazing mm-hmm. shift of, you know, um, they're st- and you're right, it's not frowned upon, you know, they're mm-hmm. they're studying, they've got the side hustle, they've got all these different it's like add as many bows to arrow as you mm-hmm. can. You know, yeah. what I mean the opportunity yeah. to you know, like I said, I for me personally, the opportunities I had outside gave me a lot of confidence and amazing connections post. You don't realize when you're in it, but it's like the other day I was speaking on a panel and I know all these people who used to be with different brands mm. and are now with another brand. You don't realize as a dancer because you don't really mm. understand the model of it all, but how people jump around in different roles. And, mm. you know, mm. it's like when we went to that Fendi event, she's like, I remember you from Dior. And it's like mm. people jump around. So you have mm. these connections that actually are fantastic for you yeah. post-ballet so that you can, you know, mm. dip your toe in at different opportunities. Yeah. And so when you did resign from the ballet, having basically having that be like all you sort of knew, like mm. you said you did study, but you didn't complete year 12, did you? So did year 12. Oh, you did year 12. But we didn't get an ATAR score. So okay. finished my... Um, so I sat like my English exam right. and we also did music and drama mm-hmm. like to go with it. And so up until year 10, you did all your subjects. And then for 11, 12, it was much more about the ballet, yeah. but you sat your English exam. Okay. So I have my VCE certificate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. How did you feel like shifting into real estate, which is a very commercial <laughs> I laugh just because like we know Ben, our we know brother Sydney's most uh, Sydney's... sought after real estate agent. You should have heard the phone calls before you arrived. Today. Oh, we had a crack out. It was... it's, um, it's a very, for, for those who don't know the real estate world, it's a very male dominated, quite crass at times. Absolutely. Aggressively commercial industry. Mm-hmm. How do you go from being a fairy on stage. Literally. I don't want to reduce your career to that, but no, being like a beautiful, like ethereal dancer to sales. Oh, honestly, I don't think I quite knew what I was in for. I'd had a lot of people say, you'll be great at it. You'll be great at it. Blah, blah. I was lucky. I was also working in the development side of things. So mm. I've got this creative outlet. You know, I did the CGI's for this beautiful apartment we're sitting in right now. I, mm-hmm. Loved that side of it. Come sales. And I wasn't prepared for this male dominant mm. industry. I mean, women are so celebrated in ballet. Mm. There's so much equality. If anything, the women are above the men mm. in some ways, you know. Yeah. Um, so it really, I'd never been in a position where I was like, what I wear today could potentially be, you know, a topic of conversation. I'd never felt that before. Mm. I'd never, uh, yeah, it's, it's. It's a really interesting industry in that respect. And I was very lucky to have met your father around that time who probably guided me through just finding a bit of strength and, you know, um, dealing with that. Because I can be very underestimated, I think, at times. It's a bit Mm. of a softie, but I can, you know, really stand Mm. up for myself when I need to. But it's a really intense industry. And I take my hat off to people that are in it and killing it. It's Well, especially because they're like majority of real estate agencies are quite like small, like close-knit sort of like businesses so you're dealing you don't have like the hr that a big corporate would have like you don't exactly exactly the structure and the governance behind it or even just the you know i remember it's like you said before going from this a 12-year career with this skill set that does not transfer to Mm. any other industry (laughs) you know i knew i could look fabulous and i could rock up and i knew i could talk to anyone but there i was like nutting out, you know, my Outlook calendar, MailChimp, Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, EDMs. oh my God, EDMs. I was, I was doing it all. But what was amazing and what does transfer is this discipline and mm. this, what, what blew my boss away at the time was I was like, well, because ballet, you know, ballet, the curtain goes up at 7.30. 
no matter what, right? No matter what curtain goes up at 7.30. And I couldn't believe this, like, people are going for a coffee and people are going for a smoke and people just shut their laptop at whatever time and go. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, I'll just stay late and get this done. I'll just get this done. Doesn't it need to be done for tomorrow? They're like, well, no, it's all right. Like, if we haven't finished it tonight. Put it in the wind. We'll do it next week. We'll do it (laughs) up. And it took me a long... I just couldn't get my yeah. head around that. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, yeah. I will stay and I will make sure that this marketing campaign is perfect for tomorrow. Yeah. Blah, blah. That's just how my ballet mentality yeah. worked. So I think that put me in really good stead for... And this, you know, I was I was eager to learn and I was okay mm-hmm. to say, I'm I'm going to need some help on how to learn to use this scanner and, you know... <laughs> I just, I've never, I've, I've never done that at my old job. You to know? be honest, as a Gen Z, I don't think I'd know how to use. No, a you probably wouldn't. You probably wouldn't. <laughs> Would you? Um, yeah, I think I you could work it out. I think it was for marketing campaigns. We had to, you know, put some stuff yeah. through. But true, who scans today? But you no, get what yes. I'm saying. I know. It was. I was a bit like, well, I don't know, I don't know how complex. to use this. I struggled with them when I started in my digital marketing role, oh. so I can't imagine. You mean you know me? Green. I was like, how do I automate? But what I love is, yeah. you know, well, as you saw, you know, come the wedding, I was a master at my, um, you know, all my yep. Excel spreadsheets yeah. and all my bits and pieces. <laughs> here we go. You know what I find so funny? You know how bad I am at Excel because Ellie yeah. here is the Excel guru. I like oh, know the basic. That's, that's her yeah. job. Like she, that's her skill I spend set. a lot of time in Excel. And you know that like meme about like when you like fix like the most minor tech issue in your family and they think yes. they're like the tech genius. <laughs> I literally, you know what I did to Brooke's spreadsheet? Oh. I made like a drop down list oh. using data validation yeah. and they were like, genius, genius. <laughs> <laughs> and then I called her and I did data validation. Was, that's a good one. Yeah, I talked Brooke through how to do Never, it. But you're also formatting. putting yourself down a little because I'm you are a bit of a tech guru. I'm not. <laughs> And I, honestly, Rob and I, and Rob's like, you're younger than me. Surely you know what to do. I'm like, no, no, not a clue. I Actually, can sit down and watch a YouTube tutorial and like work yeah, out how to do things, out. but like I'm not an Excel guru at all, but I'm at least I get that clout in the family. Thank so. you for your help. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, you're- to be fair, Ben actually once sent me a spreadsheet and asked if it was possible to organize it alphabetically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Actually, I when I, I have to tell time. you the truth, when I started <laughs> in property, my dad's secretary um of the time was an absolute guru at excel mm. and he's like just send anything through that you need done and i was like i've got a meeting tomorrow and i really need to come in looking good and he got her to do it for me because uh again yeah. and you know what i realized there are so many successful people that do this that yeah that there are like you know and it's the biggest thing i love about rob is you know he's one of the smartest men i know but he's the first to say i don't know Mm, I, yeah. I actually don't know how to do this. And he's like, there's nothing wrong with saying that. There's Absolutely, nothing yeah. wrong Every, with admitting. Everyone's got their own. That's I right. Call, I call everyone's Ellie. got their lane. Yeah. I, like, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. I'll call Ellie in the middle of a work day and just be like, conceptually, this is what I need the spreadsheet to do. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. I don't have time to look it up or work it out. Can you just, and then she just. Makes it happen. She makes it happen. And like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's, you, we spoke about this a bit in our episode with Jess about like, Leaning into people that know how to do things better than you. I've been waiting for a leaning in. Yeah, the leaning yeah, in. Yeah, we were like, I love a good leaning. <laughs> Jess loves a leaning and a whip. Um, but about like you know, acknowledging what's your strong suit and what's not your strong suit. Mm. And I feel like as you get more senior, I'm starting to find like that's actually not like spelling and grammar not my strong suit. So that's why I'm like, you know what? Like, can somebody just help me like proofread this because there's a good chance I probably spelled something, something wrong. wrong. Yeah. I and don't you find when you your Instagram stories to proofread before you post them? <laughs> it actually came up with my performance review. Like, she's not great with attention to detail, but we really like to see the initiative of help getting genius to help her read it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um, one more question about real estate before we move on. Some like I, I remember when because when I first met you, you were sort of like deep in the, the start of that like job and that was you and I remember you mentioning a few times like certain like sexism that you had experienced in that field like how did you like deal with that as like one like a young girl but also like somebody that you know it's not something you you had done since you were 18 years old like you were new to it Mm. and um you were navigating it at the same time in that male dominated sort of career um how did I deal with sexism I it caught me off guard initially and also it's not really dealt with well, at that time Yeah, and I hope that's shifting and changing. It's kind of, as you said before, who do you go to? How do you deal with it? Everyone's so worried about all the deals going on. But what I did know was it wasn't right 
how I was being. You're either dismissed or mm. you're these sexual comments that mm. are not appropriate. Mm. And, you know, especially coming from theatre where it's sort of like anything goes and there probably are no rules and it's it's a different world around mm. arts people, right? But this was, this was flat out, you know. Mm. So, I don't know. I did. I, I dealt with it and I... Um, spoke to the person well spoke to my boss first and spoke to the person about it and it was interesting I don't know that it was handled in the best of ways but it was handled and we did move forward from it Mm. but I just I hope and I look and I I'm very on the fence on this one because a that's not okay but b I also feel sorry for the good guys today Mm. because I think they're sort of like, well, what can I do? What can't I do? And it depends the sort of, you know. But then there are some things that are flat out not appropriate. Yeah. And every man working today should know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just common sense, right? You know, it's common sense to yeah. not say certain things. And also just to not make a woman feel... Objectified. Objectified. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, when you're just trying to do your job, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I will say on all of that, femininity and being a woman in real estate is a massive asset. Like Mm. it is, you know, in ballet, they always say, you know, obviously work on your weaknesses, but really work on your strengths and find your Mm. thing that sets you apart. I think to be a successful woman in real estate today is, and part of me thinks since becoming a mom, I have this other strength and I'm like, maybe I'd be good at it now. Like maybe Mm. I'd actually just not be, I wouldn't give a fuck so much and Mm. I'd just be like, Mm. you know, go for it. But I don't want to work on weekends. So that's out. (laughs) And, um, Fair. You know, it's this like sort of strength you have to have. Mm. You really do. They say like you've got to be obviously nice as pie, but you've got to have a little bit of like fuck off in you. Mm. Yeah. Because you've got to deal with some, especially if you want to deal with high end, you're dealing with big personalities. Mm. You yeah. Know? It's interesting. Yeah, I feel like it's just the little things that you have to think about a little bit more than guys, right? Like you're like, totally. oh, is this a little mm. bit too revealing or like whatever. Like when you get ready in the morning, like it's just those little things. But then as you said, like as you get older and you don't care as much, I feel like the comments almost wouldn't happen if you don't care as much. Yeah. Sometimes because it's just like... And because I was green and I was new, it was so obvious I was green. I was such an easy person to kind of, you know, and it's the thing with ballet, right? It's pretty obvious you're a ballerina. Yeah. And I think people, people knew I was well connected. People also knew I came from the ballet. Mm -hmm. So there was this kind of like, ooh, um, you know, and this new kid on the block feeling. Real novelty, you know. Mm. And and you know what the East is like, you know, when the new new kid on the block comes in, it's like, ooh. So it was, yeah, it was an interest, very interesting time. But I loved it. I learned a lot and I love property. Yeah. And we love a bit of Selling Sunset, don't we? We love, Mm. we love Christine. Christine's horrific. <laughs> I love Christine. Dad, dad, it was not in the background. I made Rob, so obviously I sit yeah. through a lot with Rob, but I actually made Rob sit through something oh, with me. And no. he actually at the end was like, I think I'm going to die. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. Well, it's just like so fake, right? Like we know like most it's of them so aren't fake. actually realtors. And like, it's just hilarious. Apart from like Mary, I think she's yeah. an actual realtor. I just love seeing the houses and the interiors. I also yeah. am just like mind blown. This is something I was discussing with mum recently. I'm so mind blown at like how like cheap those houses are i know like mm-hmm. you it really get puts sydney, sydney real estate yeah like if you've got like yeah. 10 mil in la you've got like i mean Literally. obviously super distant from any shops and like you're up on a hill and you have to get yeah. in a car to go anywhere so that plays into it but, but that's also how you live in la that's yeah. how people live you know they live mm-hmm. out they like, want to live out of you it. you want to get a paddington dingy terrace in the east with cockroaches and you're spending the same amount like it's yeah, actually I French insane. Montana's house was five million dollars like they were doing the tour and showing everything and I was like oh it's got to be at least in the 20s and they were like five million dollars no it's I insane know. and we just had friends here from LA for the wedding and yeah. we were I think Rob gave them a bit of a tour they love property yeah. they love you know they like what do they call it they put the lipstick on the pig where you know where you oh, buy yeah. something do it up flip flip it straight away they were absolutely speechless. They were like, are you kidding me at the prices in Sydney? They just could not get their head around it. And it's going to get worse. It's insane. So pity us on our <laughs> junior salaries. It's it's tough out here for the no, gals. It's, it's... Especially when you like to buy 12 oysters a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Priorities. Oh, absolutely. Well, you got to live your life. Absolutely. I'm not going to hide in this apartment all day. No. Um, <laughs> Okay, so on to the kind of third theme of the conversation, your journey as a mum. 
Um, tell us a little about, bit about your journey into motherhood and having Violet mm. and pivoting roles from, you know, being a ballerina, then working in real estate and now most important job today. Mm, absolutely. Violet's mum. Absolutely. <laughs> Emily's stepmom. That's also which, like probably just as like <laughs> Probably more, on as more hard work being. No, I, you know, I, stepmom's such like a, like, yeah, we've, I can't we've get my head really... around that. So we've, we've actually, let's just talk, we've never hmm. used the term stepmom. Yeah. And I just don't feel comfortable about it. First and foremost, you have an incredible mum. Secondly, it sounds like such an horrible old lady, yeah. mean person. Cinderella title. really. So I'm just happy to go with best friend. Yeah, bestie. To oh, Emma That's a bit of a contentious and to, title. I know, Ellie. <laughs> I'm happy to take the back seat, okay? I'll just go in the back seat. I'm hot property. But, all I want to say is, it's such a horrible title, isn't it? I, yeah. I, it's but funny. I'll take whatever title you want me to take. It's funny because, like, I just purely because, like, it's easier in some conversations. Totally, I'll use it as like a descriptor term. Yes, me too. Because, like, I used to say dad's partner when we first met, but I'm like, you're more than dad's partner. But that's such yeah. a weird term. Isn't yeah, it? I'm like, so I like, like dad's partner. I feel like also has like negative, like yeah, it's weird. It's yeah. weird. yeah, and then like. I feel like I'll use it as a descriptor term to people that don't really know me because it's just easy for them to comprehend. Yes, like, yeah, you totally. Know? No, I get mm. it. I think I'm the same. But then at the same time, because I'm a grown woman and I don't feel That's like it. a child, it's like weird to say like stepmom. It's funny. And I could like, never say stepchild because you're not no. a child. Yeah, like I'm definitely because I look a lot younger than I am. <laughs> I'm literally like there's been times where like people have come up and been like, that don't know, especially people that like at events and stuff that don't know our dynamic and they don't know that I'm like a 26, oh, I'm, fuck, I'm not 26 yet, I'm 25, 26 in a few months, um, will be like, oh, hi, sweetie. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> they think you're Violet. They think I'm just like a lot younger than I am. Like yeah. they know that I'm, yeah. you know, Rob's daughter, obviously. Like I very much look like Rob's daughter, <laughs> but um like it's it's just like a funny dynamic. So occasionally I will go with like stepmom, and then I'll be now it's very easy. I can just be like my dad's wife. <laughs> it's a lot easier because like dad's girlfriend sounds weird because he's too old to have a girlfriend. Like, it's do you funny, know what I mean? Rob and I have this. Rob and I have this same conversation. We're like, oh gosh, it's nice to be able to use those words, husband and wife. Yeah, it's, it's awkward. Yeah, partner seems like wet, no, like I, wet blanket. Yeah, like, yeah. partner is like, weird. Yeah, I don't I'm like partner, partner either, either. But um, yeah, you're yeah. You're my dad's wife and my, I don't know, <laughs> but I, I will say stepmother occasionally um, just because it's easier and I've completely forgotten our tangent. No, I know. But, I, know oh, I was mother. asking about So nothing redefines you or changes you like becoming a mum. It is without doubt the greatest gear shift in my life. I, I feel like. Yeah, this is gonna sound like I'm just giving myself a massive pat on the back. I don't mean it like that, but I feel like I you really can give yourself a pat on the back on this yeah. podcast. I feel like I've about. come into my own as a mum. Mm. Yeah, in a lot of areas in my life, I've been like, "Am I good enough? Am I this? Am I that?" And you know, when you second guess yourself, and you, mm. you know, I really trust my gut instinct as a mum. I really, I, I look at Violet and I see the love she gives to people, mm. and I think I must be doing something right. We, I should say, we. It's obviously maybe as we all know, yeah. Mum does, you know, a lot of the work, a lot of the hard yards. Yeah. But obviously, we as a whole, as a whole family, mm. are showing her the right amount of love. We're we're showing her the skill set to survive this crazy world she's come into. Mm. Um, she's, I, I think, she's perceived as this perfect little child. She is an absolute firecracker. She has the most beautiful spirit. But my oh my, like she's not always easy, and I think she's going to make a really great human because of that. Mm. You know? I agree. I think I think she's showing. We talk about this a lot, but she's showing beautiful qualities of someone to really, you know. I was probably a little soft when I was younger, mm. and you know, Violet. She's just. It's like from a but she just. She's very comfortable in who she is. She really, and obviously children in general, you know, the mm-hmm. honesty is just magnificent. But she's so, um, she's so confident in herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like she's definitely a firecracker, but like in a really good way. Yeah, and very mm-hmm. empathetic. And, and when you yeah. have her little preschool interviews, which is so cute, I, 
she, you know, they say she's so empathetic with other kids. I think that's mm. such a beautiful quality and that she worries about other people. And I, yeah, there are those moments where we're like, okay, that's great. We're, we're yeah. on the right path here. But, you know, it's motherhood. It's completely undoing. It is the hardest thing. It's absolutely relentless. There's no off switch, but it is the most rewarding role of my life. And thank God I met Robin. <laughs> Got to have Violet and have been an M in my life. Aww. I thank Likewise. you for having Violet too because she's a little angel, my second bestie. She's <laughs> your second bestie. She loves she you. She loves Ellie. She loves Ellie. I remember that like few weeks when the real strength of like our brand associations were like yes. cementing in her head. And every time she'd see me, she'd be, Ellie, where's Ellie? Let's FaceTime Ellie. <laughs> and she'd say to me all the time, Mummy, it's Mimi and Ellie. It was always yeah. like as the two of you, you know? It yeah, was so like, cute. We conditioned And well. I just like to say, I think that. Violet and I would be up there in um, top fangirls for especially first season. I've been a bit busy with the wedding and I mm, didn't okay. listen to with Violet. But I have to say, season one last year, Violet and I would listen every Friday morning without Aww. her milk and my coffee. <laughs> and, and she'd say, it's Mimi and Ellie. Aww. Wait till she hears this one. <laughs> yeah. Mummy. True. Mimi, Ellie, Mummy, and we've spoken about her. She'll be like, she's going to It really will. Alrighty. Um... So what are your favorite moments of being a mum to date? It mum moment. Yeah, <laughs> it mum moment. Oh my gosh, the pressure. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to boil down when Violet just constantly is doing cute shit. Well, okay, well, for anyone that yeah. wasn't there, pretty special moment was just oh. last weekend. Oh, yeah, and that's a good one. completely unscripted and unbelievable. And obviously anyone that's planned a wedding knows that it's a bit of a stressful lead up and putting a child in the mix adds a whole nother element of like mm. what could happen and what could go wrong. And I yeah. obviously we'd, we'd practice. She, she's very music orientated. So she listened to the music a lot. She knew she was going to walk a lot uh, down the aisle to Robbie with M. She knew that they'd be seeing a lot of people she loves and I've got two great ones. And in the lead up, I talked to her a lot about when people are really happy that they can cry and we called it happy tears mm. and you know it's amazing watching young children process what you're talking about and I had said to her mummy and daddy might get a little bit teary but it's not because they're sad it's just because mm. they're really happy and every night when we go to bed and we're laying there and we read our books I always said to her what's the best thing that happened today and a few weeks ago just out of nowhere she goes to me oh, mummy, I've just had the best day, happy tears. <laughs> and I realise she gets it. Like, she gets what it means when you're so happy you cry. Anyway, magical. But most incredible moment was at the wedding and she – I'd never really thought too much about what would happen during the actual ceremony. I'm like, it's a long time. I had her beautiful nanny there. I had my brother on standby. Obviously, Ben and Em were there. Em would not want to pick her up in her dress, so I had Ben ready. Yeah, um, and he didn't. I and think he, he broke his, his like, back because yeah. he was like, <laughs> she was like dead weight. She was dead weight because like, she, I think, had a little snooze on his shoulder. Yeah, she slept. But <laughs> basically, she just stood. It was like, I don't know what happened. Something came over her. She's, she's pretty much a firecracker of energy, mm. but it's just she understood the importance of this moment. She stood mm. underneath Robbie and I in front of the celebrant. And for the vows, and Robbie and I were holding hands, she just put her hand with us. Yeah, she was really calm. It was probably the calmest I've ever seen her. She was just so calm. And it was one of these weird... A friend of mine actually said, did you teach her to do that? Robbie's like, even Hollywood couldn't script it that well. Like, it was just this... So beautiful moment and she stood of there the whole time the whole time just with her arm like above so these photos are just beautiful where she's just this is where I need to be this is what I need to do and I just it was sort of a bit of an out of body mm. experience where I said to Em in the car on the way I've got this really weird feeling I felt really together I felt very yeah, calm I cried so most days leading up just with happy emotion and I said, I've got this really strange feeling I'm going to be really together and Rob will be quite emotional. Mm. And it was exactly that. <laughs> Rob was so emotional. Violet's just standing there <laughs> holding our hands. You know what the funniest bit of this story is? Because I was standing behind you and your dress was huge. I actually <laughs> missed all of this. So when everyone kept bringing it up after, I was like trying to play it cool. And I was like, there's not a clue. beautiful moment that everyone's gone through. And oh I had gosh. no idea what was happening. We'll, we'll, love, we'll love the video. You'll get to see it on video. Well, I saw the photos and I'm like, that is so cute. But oh, everyone was like, cute. oh, the hand thing. And I was like, yeah, the hand thing. <laughs> you know, like, what, what I will say, just tying in, finishing that question off. I, I can't even answer that question. But what I will say is, and Robbie and I laugh about it a lot. She, you know, kids tend to give their mom a bit of grief. You know, like they can be absolutely perfect with people. And then they get home and they just like 
they just let go, especially yeah. this age, this, mm-hmm. this developmental time in their brain. They've kept it together for so long that they just let go mm. and they, I think you've seen some great ripper tantrums oh, and yeah. violets and they're rather intense. And then she just looks at me and she just throws her arms around my neck and she goes, I just love you so much, mum. Oh, yeah. And you just forget everything that just happened. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's like it never even happened. And, you know, this is the thing. There's a reason they're cute and there's a reason they say yeah. cute things because no one would have children <laughs> yeah, if they, they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> It's the craziest thing, and I know everyone says it, and it sounds so cliche, but it's like this mother instinct takes mm. over. You kind of figure it out, and you you learn as you go. And there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of opinions, mm-hmm. there's mm. a lot of old school ways. You know, you've got to stay in your lane, mm-hmm. and you've got to be aligned with your partner and how you want to raise a child. And we're lucky; we just have a beautiful, this beautiful, like circle around Violet of people, mm. and it's yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, she's got a lot of protectors. She shocks. God help anyone (laughs) that is horrible to that child. Honestly. Um, Okay, I'm going to change this question a little bit. What's been, like, the worst moment as a mum? Like, what's the worst thing that Violet's done? Like, or you're just like, Uh no, this is a terrible mistake. (laughs) There was a day. When was it? I have to say, Violet, another one, I don't know how, but she toilet trained phenomenally like mm. COVID just I, I, I read some crazy book and just followed it and wow. yeah anyone that needs toilet training tips give me a call <laughs> um anyway incredible but the poor little darling had diarrhea oh. recently and it's actually a sad story I can't remember to talk about it on here but <laughs> all I'm right. gonna say is there comes a time in your life when you are cleaning diarrhea off the walls thinking to yourself this is my life right now. And yeah. it just becomes totally normal once you're a mum, you know what I mean? But the poor little darling, she didn't quite know what had happened. And the poor little thing had had something that upset her tummy. Um, but, yeah, there are so many moments as a mum where you think, oh, my God, mm. like, what? Especially with a newborn, you know. And, you know, there are poo explosions, vomiting, mm. whatever. Um, Violet wasn't a vomiter, so I never had vomit mm. everywhere. But, you know, I believe, and I'm an OCD control freak, you just prepare yourself for anything yeah. and everything. So I always had everything possible that I could need for some disaster. But, you know, things happen. Things happen all the time. To wrap up, what is one piece of advice that you would give your 25-year-old self? Enjoy the road because your 20s are just filled with so much discovery and so much fun. And it does all come together in the end. And everyone you meet, even if it's bad... It all leads you to where you're meant to be. Mm. You know, like I look back on life and I think about some of the situations I was in or maybe, you know, dating that guy that maybe didn't treat you the best and all that. It just so makes you appreciate the good stuff. I love that. Beautiful. I'm going to add one more question. What is something you would say to any aspiring ballerinas or young, young girls looking to go down that path that might be listening? Yeah, beautiful. Absorb everything like take everything in there's so much out there today like there's no excuse with technology has just brought everything so close and it's so different to when I was younger and training and everything you know you had to go and get a dvd or you know Mm -hmm. to see to get inspiration from you know one of your favorite ballerinas or male dancers absorb everything and it's really hard to stay in that place of not comparing of comparison mm. and comparing yeah. yourself to other people and knowing that your journey is your journey and not everyone's path has to be the same. Yeah. People get really caught up in it has to be like this or it has to be like that, but you know, and to just, you know, give it your all. It's over so fleetingly. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, you just gotta, I, the one thing I can really say about my career is like, I really said yes to everything. You know, mm-hmm. I would say yes to PR. I'd be up at 6am to do the photo shoot that no other dancer probably wanted to do. And I'd do the Q and a after the show. And I, I really, I remember my boss at the time, um, who I had a great relationship, you know, he's like, Brooke, you, you've just given so much of yourself mm-hmm. to this. And I was so, and he, and he said to me, when you retire, you never remember the nights off on your couch. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of dads like, I really need a night off. And I was just, I wanted to be on all the time. Mm-hmm. I love being on stage. And I really look back on it and think, God, I'm glad I said yes to everything. Yeah. So I'd I say think, say yes to things. I think that piece of advice, like, although 
for ballerinas, I think translates so well into like so many different contexts. And like, I know personally, like so many people, including myself get, and so many women get so caught up on like other people's like trajectories totally. and like, am I moving fast enough totally. if it's corporate or the arts or whatever it is. Absolutely. And I think that's like such a valuable like piece of advice to give to like all like girls and guys that it's okay to run your own race. And mm-hmm. Oh, totally. And I think, you know, life's interesting and this is just my perspective and my seat right now, you know, in my 20, you know, I did say yes to everything and I did everything mm-hmm. and I, I loved it. Whereas, you know, now in my thoughts, I've, it's been a really big lesson for me learning to say no. Mm-hmm. And for instance, you know, I don't say yes to many events. You know, I, I don't really want to be, uh, I sound like a boring old nanny here, but <laughs> no, you know, no. I, I want to be at home on the couch yeah. with my family and I, I want to bath Violet. I want to put her to bed. That doesn't mean we don't mm-hmm. go out and do great things. Of course we do. But generally, like it's it's as a mm. decisions are made for my family, not yeah. for me. Because I did all that yeah. in my twenties. Doesn't mean the occasional thing doesn't come along, and I'm like, M, we've got to go. To this. <laughs> I love but, being your plus one. You know what the I mean. The photographers are always like, Brooke, 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 and then they're like, Can you hold it back? <laughs> no, we go together. But, but you know what I mean. It's it's just interesting because it was. I feel like my twenties were all about saying yes, mm. and my thirties, I've really learned to say no, and I've also really become comes with my own skin. And realize that, you know what? What's good for me, what's not? And you're a bit mm-hmm. more clear on those decisions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love that too. Well, Brooke, a huge thank you for coming on. It's been a long time coming. You're a long time fan of the pod and we appreciate the support. <laughs> I love the pod. And we're a huge fan of you, obviously. I love seeing you ladies kill it. And, you know, your generation is paving the way for Violet. And mm. um, it's exciting times. It is exciting mm-hmm. times. Well, we re- really appreciate you telling us your journey. And um, it was really, like, I obviously know you very well, but I even, like, learned mm-hmm. some new things and, like, new aspects of your life that I wasn't a part of before I met you. So I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And as you know, we like to end with our little outro. We thought we'd give you the <laughs> honours of doing it this time. Oh, what a treat. And that is basically it. Yay! Yay! <laughs>